Welcome to the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined alongside my co-host, Jeff, as always. Today, we have on writer William Akers. William is a successful screenwriter and novelist and is the co-founder of the website keytostorytelling.com. Hello, everybody. This is the Filmmaker Mixer Podcast, and today we have William Akers on the show. William is a WGA Lifetime member. He has written screenplays for studios, indie producers, network television. He's had three feature films produced from his screenplays, and he's also a novelist. He taught filmmaking and screenwriting at Vanderbilt University and created Belmont University's Motion Picture Department, which is a variety top 10 film school. Akers consults with screenwriting clients throughout the world, and he is the author of the book, Your Screenplay Sucks, 100 Ways to Make It Great. William, welcome to the Filmmaker Mixer. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So I'm always curious with our guests how they got interested in the creative arts, and in your case, uh, filmmaking and storytelling and screenwriting. How did that start for you? Did it happen when you were a kid or a teenager? How did you get interested in storytelling? I had always been, from beginning at zero, I'd been an artist. I drew all the time, and I went all the way through high school and deep into college wanting to be a cartoonist. That had been my goal since I was 10 or 11. And what I wanted to do began to slowly go away which was story strips where you have six or seven, seven panel, seven, what do you, seven strips a week with a big one on Sunday. And it tells a story that went over, lasted over six weeks. And that was just my idea of a great thing. I was not so much into comic books. I was interested in newspaper comic strips and that went away. Now you have comic strips in the paper, but they're all a joke a day. And at the time I didn't think I was very funny. So I didn't think I could do that. And so they were literally dying the industry of a story strip was disappearing. And so that I got to find something else to do. And so I realized that, you know, a story in a comic strip, you have a panel that's each, you know, and it moves from the next one to the next one to the next one. And that's just like a movie, which is the frame. And you're telling stories. It's the same thing. And I thought, I'll just do that. That'll be a lot like it. And so I took a couple of film classes, one two semester film history class and one filmmaking class. And that was it. And then I went to UFC graduate school and then did a lot. And after that, I started writing immediately and um, the first script I wrote got produced and I had given it to someone I went to film school with. And the way it works, like always, is she gave it to somebody she knew, they gave it to somebody they knew, and then that person ended up making the movie. And then it did. So that's how I got into the business was through being wanting to be a cartoonist. And how did you transition from, you know, the ideas of writing for cartoon strips to I mean, obviously, screenwriting is a, a much more in-depth uh, you know, um, I'm craft. I'm, I'm curious, did that just come naturally to you or did you just make the leap when you were studying in school or how did that work? Well, the story strip that I like the most were two, two written by the same guy, which was Terry and the Pirates and Steve Canyon, which is by a man named Milton Kniff. And he wrote them and then he, and he drew them. So he did everything himself. And those were very, very complicated stories with extremely nuanced characters. I mean, he was the biggest guy in that game. And so, so it was a, that was a complicated story structure. What he was telling a story over six weeks, like a limited television series. Now, interesting. And so it was complicated already. And so, going from that to screenwriting was not much of a jump. You know, going back to to screenwriting when you were, you know, becoming a young screenwriter and finding your voice and so forth, was there a script that you had read by someone else that impacted your your writing style? Well, or? in school, I mean, I didn't know anything much. 
I didn't I didn't know anything much about making movies when I got to graduate school. Um, but I had had that two semester film history class and I was actually very pleased. There were people at my in grad school who had seen every movie there was to see. I mean, one guy literally had seen all of John Ford's meter documentaries. And wow. I was able to hold my own in conversations on film and film history after that one two semester class, plus the stuff I'd seen in the movie theater. And so it was I knew some things. And then um, I got deeper and deeper into it through school and making movies because you make movies uh, when you're in school. And it was a brutal. And I had and I think they made it easier now. Uh, I think we made five films the first semester. I think it's now down to four because they decided five was impossible. But I, I moved into screenwriting immediately because I thought this is something I can do. Writing had always been easy for me. I didn't know whether I was any good at it, but it was always easy for me to sit down all day long and do it. And there, I didn't have any angst involved. I just wrote. And it was it was not that bad. Um, in school, then, they gave us scripts, and I still have them. I mean, my teacher came into class, and each student got like a foot and a half tall stack of screenplays, three-hole punched with brads and covers, and said, here are your scripts. And Breaking Away was one of those, which is just an amazingly good screenplay. And Body Heat was one. And uh, so was Chinatown. Nice. So I was, the, I, I, and Chinatown especially affected me, I think, because the, it's, it, the only word I can use to describe it is when you read that on paper. I don't know what it's like in a PDF. But when you read it on paper and you were turning the pages, it, at the end of a scene, you turn the page to the next scene. And there, to me, it was this physical, like, snap where I could feel that we're going to the next thing. And his scenes pushed to the next scene. I thought, though, this is magical. It really worked on paper for me. So that was Chinatown, Breaking Away, and Body Heat were three that really formed me. Alien also partially just because of that guy's writing style. It was so sparse. There were next to no words on the page. And that appealed to me. As an experienced writer, you've probably seen a lot of different types of scripts and have seen how writing has evolved over the years. You know, I heard recently that the Oppenheimer script from Christopher Nolan was actually written in first person, which is probably one of the biggest rules I learned in film school years ago not to do. So I'm wondering what new trends you were liking or even disliking when it comes to screenplay writing nowadays. I, I need to see the Oppenheimer script. I haven't read it. I'll tell you nothing. There's nothing new. It's, everything has, was done by Abel Gans, basically. Anything in filmmaking, he did a thousand years ago. And so everybody's just reinventing the wheel. I've got a copy in my library of a script called The Way to Either the Way or the Road to Santiago by H.G. Wells, by Orson Wells. And it, it's in the first person. And he wrote it for himself to be in it. And so it says his character name when he spoke dialogue is me. <laughs> and it starts with I'm sitting in a chair in a dark room with a light shining on my head, on my face. Um, so it's all me, I. So there's, you know, in some ways there's nothing new. I thought Oppenheimer was amazing. Um, I really, really liked it. I, I highly recommend people listening to not read a single thing about Oppenheimer before you go see the movie, um, because you don't want to know anything before you go. Because I read literally one interview with Christopher Nolan. And he mentioned something that totally blew almost all the suspense in the story in one little tiny sentence. Oh, and it just was so I was so sad to know what I knew when I sat down in the theater. So don't read anything about it. I have no earthly idea if I answered your question. No, no, you, de you definitely did. Well, you know, 
staying on the you know the craft uh, as we're talking about this you you know in addition to working as a screenwriter you're also an educator and so i'm i'm curious to get your take on this because i've always felt like screenwriting was was kind of like riding a bicycle you can someone can explain the rules to you and tell you you know how you do it but until you actually do it and then one day a light goes off and you say oh this is how i keep my balance and this is how i navigate this and that i, I feel like storytelling is kind of the same or at least it was for me i i felt like one day it just felt intuitive which it never had before when i was studying it oh and that's then, cool what did it for you you know i don't know how did that, I, where were you when did that happen that's really oh gosh I that's a great question. I honestly don't know. I think part of it was working with other other screenwriters, you know, collaborating. I collaborate a lot. Andrew and I write together. I write with some other writers. And you know, here's what it probably was for me. And I don't want to I want to get back to your thoughts on this, but um when I started working with really good screenwriters, uh we came to a point where if an idea didn't work, it's like dump it, you can use it in something else. We'll come up with what works. Don't try to take an idea you're stuck with or you really enjoy and try to cram it into that you know, that round peg into a square hole. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, throw it out and come up with something else. And that freedom to say, you know, I can let go of this suddenly made, made me at least feel more intuitive to storytelling. And I'm wondering, how do you impart that on a student? That's such a hard thing to do. I, I wonder what your experience in that area is like. Well, there's a quote by the guy who wrote, Mike Rich, who wrote Finding Forrester. And he said, if I think it works, it doesn't. And that's pretty good. <laughs> um you know when it works. Um, you know when it's ready. Um, but you can't, in my opinion, you can't send it out just because you know it's ready. You got to run it by your your jury of angry, mean readers that hate you, but are willing to read your stuff because you don't want you only get one chance at it. Um, so imparting to students, it's easy with some students, it's impossible with others. And so if they come in and they want to hear what you have to say, then great. If they come in and they already know everything they need to know to do be a big success, then you're not going to be able to tell them anything. And that's okay. That's just what they want. And so you give them what they want. But it's um, one of the things about getting better uh, is that you get better in any field, whether it's art or language or whatever, in plateaus. You all of a sudden are better than you were. And when you get all of a sudden better and you jump up to the next plateau, you never go back down. And this happened to me in a drawing class one time. I suddenly was almost twice as good on this drawing as I was on the one before. And the guy sitting next to me watching my hand, which was the same hand, suddenly be way better than I had been. He was so spooked. He got up and left um, <laughs> and because it was sort of scary. And so that's the way it is with writing. All of a sudden, something will make sense and boom. But you got to write. That's the thing. You can't think about it. Right. You have to do it. And thinking about it doesn't count in any way. You have to do it. And you have to do it, I think, six days a week, at least for a half an hour, um, hopefully longer. But take a day off. But you got to do it because it's really hard. And you got to understand that it's really hard. And the, the entry, the, the, the guy, Clarence Gilliard, who was the, if you saw Die Hard, he was the computer whiz guy who said, I think maybe for the first time in the movies, I think he said, we're in. Um, and they should have retired that line when he said it. But he said, th this is not quite right, but he says, when you're in Hollywood and a professional, he just used the word professional. He said, they're expecting you to hit a home run every time you get to bat. That's rough. They don't want you to bat 300 or 500. They want you to bat 1,000 every single time. And so you've got to really learn the craft and get really good at it so you can step in 
there's no training. You have to step in at the top of your game. Into when you enter the world, they have to you have to be really good because they want you to be able to deliver for them exactly what they need under great pressure. Um, and you have to do the rewrite and turn around on time and all those things. And that requires practice, a lot of it. So we have a lot of different types of listeners on this show from seasoned writers to, you know, high schoolers who maybe haven't even written their first screenplay or script yet, but have the idea that they want to write one one day. So I'm curious from your experience in the industry, what are some common mistakes that novice screenwriters often make and how you can avoid them? Okay, let me skip that question and come back to it because high school students are in a great position if they want to be, and they may not understand this, but they have the luxury of time. And after high school, that pretty well goes away. Mm -hmm. And so if you're in high school, my opinion is you need to make movies. Get together with your friends. My children did this. They would get together and shoot a movie in a weekend on somebody's phone or with somebody's little camera and make movies and have fun and you know, get your mothers to feed your crew well. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a, which is a good habit to be in if you're an independent filmmaker. But make movies. Just If there's no film club at your school, start a film club. There's a camera lying around somewhere. I mean, you don't need lights anymore. You have to have good audio. And it's nice you have lights, but it, the cameras are so good, you'll get an image that'll be acceptable. Make movies because you learn so much about writing after you've shot a movie and you get in the editing room and your editor looks at you and goes, you're the stupidest person in the world. This is never <laughs> going to work because of X, Y, Z. So um, mistakes, there, you know, there's a thousand of them. I strongly recommend my book, Your Screenplay Sucks. Um, it's is uh, well, not knowing who the main character is. Often people will spend write an entire script and do draft after draft and then realize that, oops, they had the wrong main character. Well, that's okay. It doesn't matter. Then you fix it. And the great thing about writing that's wonderful is you can fix it until you send it out. Then it's over. And um, you don't want to find out after you send it out that, oh, you you know could have fixed this thing you didn't know was there. So you, the, the process of refining is long and tedious and long and long and over and over and over again. And thinking you're done doesn't mean you're done. Um, other mistakes, not enough conflict. I mean, who likes conflict? Nobody. So you avoid it in life. Most people do. Um, and so you want to make sure there's conflict everywhere. I did a, I had an exercise in class with students that was great. I showed the opening sequence, which is just eight minutes of Stranger Things, which is, you know, episode one on Netflix, season one episode. And I, and I paused this, I showed it on, on, on the screen in class and I paused it every time there was conflict. And it's mind blowing how much conflict there was in the first eight minutes of Stranger Things. And so one of the students came back the next class over the weekend. He watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And you wouldn't believe how much conflict there is in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's just conflict, 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 conflict. And it's a lighthearted, fun comedy. And it's filled with conflict. So that's a mistake that people make. Um, they don't, they don't have the, the main character needs to, you know, change by the end. They need to have some inner problem that they don't want to fix. And then they get to the end there just before they go into the climax with the big bad guy, they figure out they got to change and they change and then they can win the final battle. That's pretty simple, but it's hard to do. Um, scenes are too long. One thing I, that drives me nuts is way too many words on the page way too many words on the page is people. And this may be because you can type maybe, but they just type and type and type and type and type. And then they don't cut stuff out. I started on a typewriter and, and with a pencil. And let me tell you something. If you write with a pencil, 
on a piece of paper, your first draft, you're going to leave out every single word you can because it's so painful to write those words. But you can type and fill up an entire page. And there's a page when it really probably needs to be a half a page. So those are some basic problems. There are a lot of them. Um, but those are some that I see all the time. So speaking of, um, you know, crafting a story uh, or, or, you know, in this case, in a screenplay, how do you feel about structure versus just kind of free association? I know writers who don't like to to card out their story and, you know, in the beats. And I know uh, other writers who are, you know, very strict about that. Um, and I guess if it works for you, I think I think people who don't intentionally try to use structure maybe come to it naturally anyway. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on on, on that. I'm, a, I'm an outline guy. I'm not smart enough, although probably one of the best scripts I ever wrote, I just wrote and just, just I sat down and wrote it. I went to a movie about a oh, I felt like this was this writer's old girlfriends. I went, I said, I got old girlfriends. I can write about my old I literally sat down in my apartment and pounded out 20 pages a day. That's 120 pages. And just wrote it. I wrote fade in and I made everything up one thing after the other, after the other. And it had a lot of life to it because I had no idea what was going to happen next. And it almost got made twice. And that script, you know, earned me a lot of money writing screenplays for other people. So basically you said it, I think you already said it, whatever works for you, that's great. It doesn't matter how you get to fade out and, you know, and press send to email the script to somebody, how you got there doesn't matter at all. It's just got to be there. You got to get there. So if you'd like to outline, great. If you don't like to outline and it works, if you like to just free associate, fantastic, go for it. Whatever works for you. So free association, stream of consciousness, making stuff up, you've got to be pretty ruthless in the editing. My son's a novelist and his outlines are not as long as the novels, but they're very, very long. But they're, And they're very detailed. So he knows what's going to happen. Because the great thing about outlines, he knows what's going to happen before he sits down to write. The great thing about outlines is in theory, you've solved most of the storytelling problems already. And so the screenwriting process goes to me smoother. Um, if you imagine you're holding your fingers out from one in each hand, three feet apart, that's the time it takes to write your screenplay. Well, if you don't spend much time outlining, it's going to take a certain amount of time to outline on that, that little string across the room. Then if you, you're going to spend a lot of time fixing it, which is fine. If you spend a lot of time outlining, this is my opinion, then the amount of time writing and rewriting will be less and the overall writing time will be shorter. That's what I think. Again, I'm a fan of outlining. There's a great book called From Where You Dream by a guy named Robert Olin Butler. And um, he talks about two things. One is, a, is an outlining process that is, I, I came up with the idea and he came up with the idea separately. And I'm sure other people before us came up with it, which is just make stuff up, throw it on the, you know, throw it on the wall and see what sticks and then pull your outline out of that. It's a very creative way to do things. It's just making things up and suggesting random thoughts to yourself. And so that book is about that outlining and then two writing from your subconscious. And so that's all the book is about things. So that's a, a, from where you dream. It's an excellent book about outlining and how to get there because he believes and I believe that the three by five cards, you continually are shuffling and re and moving and changing around and your outline becomes a living, breathing thing, even as you're writing, if you need it to be, you don't have to stick with the outline just because you wrote it. You don't have to go all the way to the end just because you wrote it. Cause you may figure out on about around page 70, that this isn't working like you thought it was. Then you change, you pivot. So, but again, whatever works, that's, that's the main thing, whatever works, that works. 
I'm curious, you said writing from your subconscious. Can you unpack that a little bit about, uh, you know, what do you mean by that? Just inside you. How are you, how can you connect to whatever's going on in that snake pit inside your soul that you don't want anybody to see? How is that? Can you get those feelings on the page? Uh, long ago, I um, pitched an idea uh, with a fellow writer uh, to John Houston and and he didn't buy, unfortunately, but my writer friend that we were going to write it together, he said to me, he said, you've got to get in touch with your demons. And I think that is a great thing to tell a young writer is get in touch with the things you don't want to know. You don't want anybody to know you're like. You're terrified to show this script to anybody that knows you because they're going to think that's you. And what and they won't. What they do is they say, oh, my God, you've got such an imagination. How did you think this stuff up? And you say, well, I just made it up. You don't tell them that seething, horrible thing that you gave to the bad guy. That's you. You keep that to yourself. So that's I think that's where it comes from is finding out, being able to tap into your demons or what makes you really happy. When I'm working on a script now and I had this idea. I thought, oh, my God, what made what are moments that me when I was supremely overflowing with joy? And I thought, what what did, did make a list? And put those things in your script. And so one thing that I may put in there, I may not because it may not fit, but the happiest moment of my entire 2023 year was I was walking, I was walking to, I mean, I'm probably going to cry when I say this, but I may not. Um, I was walking with my son and his son, who was four and a half, and we were crossing the street. And it was a big street, like three, four lanes. And there was a big with flashing lights crosswalk with the zebra stripes on it and everything. And so the little boy's in the middle and I was holding a hand and my son was holding the other hand. And we're, you know, the people on the, on the first lane that we're coming across, they stopped and we get to the middle and we're walking forward. And there's a guy coming in from our right in the, in the far lane and he's supposed to stop and he floored it. Oh, wow. And he came within three feet of us. And we, my son and I were just screaming at this man, waving our free hand and holding the little boy's hand and screaming at this guy, you know, the head guy in a whole line of cars. And all of a sudden, the car behind that guy lit up his blue lights behind his grill. He was an unmarked cop car. And he <laughs> went after that guy at 80 miles an hour down that road. And I never saw that guy again, but that, that was the happiest moment of my year. So <laughs> you can't put that in your movie, but I may put it in mine. So that's something that happened to me that clearly works when I tell the story. So that will work in a movie. I'm curious. Whether it be early on your career, in your career or even recently, if there's been a big aha or surprising moment that you've learned when reading another person's screenplay that you've taken into your own writing moving forward. Oh, gosh. Every day when I read a script, I mean, there's stuff in everybody's. I can't think of an example right now from something recently. Um, I may later in the conversation, but I read scripts all the time and there's always things that people do. I mean, this is tiny. This is not and this isn't even recent, but it is something I did. Uh, years ago, when I was teaching, uh, the guy who wrote the movie, uh, The Hulk, came to my class or spoke to my class, and he sent us the script for, I can't remember what it was, maybe it was The Hulk, and he had he bolded his slug lines. <clears throat> I'd, never, I'd never seen that before. <clears throat> and so I immediately started putting my slug lines bold because it's so easy to see when the scene starts because it's bold. And I'd never seen that, but I immediately started doing that. It's been, I do it all the time. You don't have to, but I do. I think it's a great way to make it easier on the reader. You know, I, I was talking to a writing friend of mine uh, out in LA and um, when he sold one of his first scripts, one of the things he changed, 
he was told by his manager, everybody's reading everything on, you know, all the readers in the, in the, at the studios and are reading things on their iPads. And so he actually oh, yeah. changed his, he changed the way it looked on the page based on, you know, reading the script on an iPad. It didn't change structurally a lot, but it was just a little nuance. And, you know, they, they would read his script so fast. Um, and I started doing that and it actually makes a big difference. It, it, it makes for a very lean muscular read, which is very interesting. But what did, I, what I did you do it. because it was an iPad? How, what did you tweak? It was, it was kind of like you said, it was a matter of like underlining, uh, you know, the slug lines, you know, doing spaces a certain way. It was, it was just, it was just the way they spaced it on the page. Um, like you said earlier, as we were talking about, uh, not, not overwriting, but just keep it lean and get right to the point and then just make it a fast read. But it was really interesting. And read Hard Times by Walter Hill or Alien by Walter Hill. He wrote it also with Dan O'Bannon. So you could read Hard Times. That's 100% Walter Hill and watch the movie. There's almost no words in that page on that script. I mean, it's almost all white space, but it's exactly what you see on screen. It's amazing. The, the I, I have a friend who's got, I don't know, 100 directing credits on IMDb. He did a lot of television. And when we were in school, you know, you had copy machines and there were stores that would copy, make copies. And it was two cents a page back then because they were making so many copies it wasn't very expensive and so he would take his print his typed original version of his script now this is a guy that has some attention to detail and i think this is right i could be wrong but i think so he would photocopy the script at 92 percent size not at 100 percent, which is what it would be if you just copied it but he shrank it down just a tiny bit so there was a little bit extra white space around the page he felt that made the read feel better. It's interesting. But there's that's that's some attention to detail. <laughs> Your goal is to make it as easy for the reader to get to the bottom of the page as you possibly can. Because your goal is not to write something somebody's going to buy. It's not to write something that somebody's going to attach an actor to. It's write something that someone's going to read all the way to the end. That's your original primary beginning goal is for them to get the fade out. And so you need to make it as easy as possible. And that's not that difficult, but it didn't, people ignore it. One of the things we talk about with other writers is the importance of the theme to a script. Um, because oftentimes there's the popcorn element of the movie, that the thing that keeps you going from scene to scene and the urgency of the film. But underneath that, there's the theme of the story, what it's really about. Is that something you consciously look for? Or I guess, I guess this is my question. When you come up with an idea, is it plot-driven? Is it thematic? Is it a little of both? And how do you balance those two? I think it's different with every screenplay. Um, sometimes this one's going to be like that, and the next one will be a little bit different. And one thing that, um, that people need to understand is you're never going to figure out how to write a screenplay in that when you sit down, you're going to go, well, you know, I wrote those last five and I finally figured out how they're going to work. I finally got my system down and it's going to work for this one faster and better than it did on those. Well, it'll maybe work better and it may work faster, but it still isn't going to work because this is a new puzzle. And so you have to solve this one with whatever tools you have. And it becomes easier to solve the more you've done. But each one is, is hard. Um, the theme and what's it about is hugely important. I, mean, I think boiling your entire script down to one sentence, boiling your entire story down to one word after you do one sentence is very helpful. You don't really know what you're writing about until you get to the end of the first draft. 
you may think you know what you're writing about as you're going through all the scenes or writing your outline and then writing the script. But when you get to the end, you're going to go, oh, this is the story I was trying to tell. Oh, and I, that's what happened to me with my novel is I was writing a book about a little boy in, in grade school and his evil, evil teacher. And when I got to the end of the book, the first draft of the book, I suddenly realized what it was really about. And then I went back in and shoved things to match this thing I had discovered. And so the what it's about is a monumental importance. Some people write down what it's about and tape it to their, you know, their computer screen or their typewriter or whatever, and just do that the whole way through. And other people find it partway through. Again, whatever works, works. How do you collaborate with co-writers or directors or even producers? That's a great question. Um, I've written with all kinds of different people. I'm very easy to get along with. And that has helped me a lot in my right with my writing partners. Um, I've written with I wrote with one woman who is extremely talented, but was very prickly. And um, I was the only person she'd ever been able to write anything with in her entire career. She tried, but it just never worked. Um, I worked with a movie producer who was very difficult to get along with. But for some reason, not for me. Um, I came to town for the meetings and we just got along great. He was always nice, always lovely. I had a great time working with the guy. And other people said, my God, you like working with that guy? I said, yeah, he was just a prince. He was so kind and so nice and blah, blah, blah. So it may be because I was not projecting any attitude. I was not being, I was not threatening. Um, you got to listen to them and you got to do basically what they want if they're the producer or the director um, because they're in charge. And you can't refuse to do what they want too many times and still be hired to go, go to work the next day. So you've got to figure out how to continue the relationship while keeping your little flame lit and still getting them what they need, which takes practice. Um, it's, I really like working with directors is great because they're really in charge. It's so much more fun to be a writer when you're working with a director than just being a writer in a room with a producer, because when you're the writer and the director never have to talk, the director does all the talking. And then you just sit there and smile and go, what a great guy this guy is. And I don't have to say anything, which is <laughs> wonderful in a meeting. Um, because you come out, I take notes in every meeting. I have my laptop there and I'm writing it all down. So I'm per I'm performing a function. But um, it's nice because this is cliche, you know, basically true, is um, when the director in a meeting says, this is what I want, the producers will say, when? And when the writer says, this is what I want, the producers will say, why? And that's the difference between being a writer and a director. Is you don't you don't have to justify yourself so much. I don't think when you're the director, it's a it's a it's a good job. Well, I'm curious. Do you do uh, separate passes once you finish a script? You know, do you do a pass just on dialogue? Do you do a pass just on, you know, uh, action? Do you do a pass just on, um, you know, character description? Do you do like single passes on a specific task once you get the script in a place that you feel like it's 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 feeling pretty good? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you get the draft done, I mean, you want to sit down and do an overall read and read the whole script and see how it feels. And you want to continually return to that. But in my book, I mentioned a thing called the laser beam read. And that's exactly what that is. OK, I'm going to just look at punctuation at the end of sentences. Is there some at the end of every sentence in the entire script? It's once you're doing when you're focused on one thing like character development or dialogue or can you cut the last two lines of every single scene in the story? Or are my slug lines coherent and correct and do they match and blah, blah, blah. It's really easier to um, find the mistake because you're one thing that you get very focused very quickly. 
it's I think you, you want to start when you do a you know real rewrite, you want to start with character. You sure don't care about dialogue at the beginning, because what if you tweak that dialogue and massage it and do research to get it right? And then four weeks later, cut the scene. That was a waste of your time. So dialogue comes last. In my opinion, character comes first when you're doing a rewrite. And there are all those steps in between. It takes a long time to get it right. But it's I find that if I'm doing one thing at a time, I spot stuff easier. And so the script gets better, faster, even though I'm only looking at a tiny bit of it each pass. So I'm curious about, about uh, one other thing. Um, one time I was working on a screenplay and I had an idea for a, a moment for a character. And as I got through the film, it was kind of a twist. And as I got through the script, it just didn't make sense. And so I set it aside and then when I got to the finale of the whole film, that twist made sense. And I brought it back and it was such... That's nice. It was such a joyous moment. It almost brought tears to my eyes when I was writing that moment. It's like this idea I wanted works perfectly at this other moment that I hadn't planned. I'm curious if you've ever had a moment like that where you're, you know, you're just in the zone and you're writing it. Was there a script or a project or a scene where you just went... Wow, this is exactly what I wanted. Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah, I wrote a, yeah, tell I wrote, me about that. I wrote a screenplay about the fall of Saigon that almost got made. Oh, wow. um, the year that it was written and they were getting ready to produce it was it was one of the two hottest scripts in Hollywood for actors. So said the casting director on the thing. Everybody wanted to read the script. And there was a scene in it that where the hero is a man in um in the American embassy during the fall of Saigon who's under a lot of pressure because he's having an affair with a channel an NBC news reporter and he's married and she, the wife is back home and the the girlfriend is here in Saigon so he's very concerned about her what if she's going to get out and there was a moment where he was trying to get the very toward the very end of the story where he's trying to get to the embassy because that's where the helicopters are going to pick people up and take them home take them off the top of the uh, the embassy and he's trying to get there through the chaos of the streets. And he's under all this pressure about his wife and the girlfriend and are they going to all die and all that. And I was writing this scene on a typewriter and all of a sudden and he leaned up against a telephone pole and is just sort of staring at the chaos and leaned down and yanked off his wedding ring and threw it into the street as far as he could throw it. And that didn't come from me. It just happened. And that was spooky, but it really worked. I think writers are always grateful when they have moments like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice when they come. Wish you could just whistle them up on demand. That'd be lovely. <laughs> well, William, this has been a lot of fun chatting with you about screenwriting and the craft of storytelling. Um, tell the folks where they can find you. I know you've got the website, keytostorytelling.com. Tell us about that and how people can contact you. I've got a partner and we started this company first to do script notes and then we're going to sell pre-recorded screenwriting classes online. And then after that, we'll have live Zoom screenwriting classes. And it's key to it's the it's not the number two. It's the T.O. key to storytelling dot com. And we you know it's an all service industry there notes and and eventually pre-recorded classes. And then finally, Zoom live screenwriting classes which is we're having a good time. She came to me and said, she's a producer who lives in Denver. And she came to me and said, I want to go into business with you. You give the, I read all of her scripts and give her notes. And she said, you get the best notes I've ever gotten. And you have more ideas than anyone I've ever met. And that felt pretty good. And I thought, let's go into business. So that's what we're doing is key to storytelling.com. And we're on Instagram, which is great. You get to see me 
say, 40 seconds worth of stuff every couple of days on screenwriting. And that's at key to storytelling. What was that Instagram again? At key to storytelling. Perfect. Well, William, it's been a lot of fun. I enjoyed chatting with you and we'll have to circle back and have you on the show again and talk more about uh, the craft of storytelling. Thank you. You asked great questions. This has been fantastic. I've enjoyed every minute of it. The questions were superb. Thank you for listening to the Filmmaker Mixer podcast, a podcast created and hosted by filmmakers Jeff Stolen and Andrew Lamping and produced by Melody Lopez. Our theme music was composed by the magical Stephen D. Bennett. Make sure to follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on and stay tuned for future episodes. 